You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Here from Hello everybody, Rick Bassman here from Maui. It's the first hot spring day here in the islands this year. It's uh, it's nice. I'm a little sweaty. I did my hair for this and for our guest today. Uh, it is what it is. I want to I want to tell you I want to tell you a quick story about somebody. It's a um, very handsome old bald dude with a white goatee who freaking loves pit bulls so much that he literally would kill for them and put his body and his health on the line for them. And speaking of health, face some major, major crisis that would put most people on their ass uh, indefinitely, if not permanently, and battled through that to come back and take on the world again in a a very public and and very um, cool manner. So it sounds like I'm talking about myself, talking about putting oneself over. but it's not me. It is a man who I'm blown away. I've not met ever before. We travel in so many of the same circles. We have such similar bios other than maybe the uh, the good looking part. That's where I would exclude myself. But let me bring my guest on today. I've already introduced him. You thought I was talking about me. Well, the one, the only live from Michigan, Gordon Shell. How you doing? I'd like to say warm Michigan, like you said, but we're we're looking at three to six inches of snow in the next couple of days. So let's hope it doesn't happen, but it's Michigan. You never know what's going to happen. Is so. it still snowing in this freaking country? Wow. I yeah. don't pay attention. When you live here on the island, man, you tend to ignore the rest of the world. I know that's uh, that it's a little it's a little blissfully unaware, but it is uh, it's how we choose to live over here. How is life in Michigan for you these days? It's good. Good. Michigan's great. I mean, we, we I, I've been a lifer here in Michigan. I've had opportunities to go other places, but I just can't get out of Michigan for some some reason. And there's nothing wrong with it. We don't have hurricanes. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have mudslides. So it's kind of a about volcanoes. Place. We have yeah. volcanoes here. And we don't have those either. We've had a couple of small earthquakes, but those are ju- those are comical when they happen, and we all talk about them. And everybody posts something on Facebook. Did you feel that? So it's a uh, it's a great place to be. I've always been here, 51 years old, and uh, I don't know if I'll go anywhere. Um, I know a lot of people are are leaving to go to Austin and go in other places, and and I do have an office in Austin, um, so I can go visit. But you know, it's uh, I love Austin, but I think it's going to get overwhelmed. It may get it might get Californiaized pretty soon. And, uh, and, already uh, on the way there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I but have so I, many California friends that have moved to Austin yeah. to escape California, yeah. and now are saying this is the new California. Yeah, so, and that's uh, what the Austin folks are saying. Don't turn us into California. And I wanted to go to California um, probably about eight years ago. I was approached by Pilgrim. Um, productions. They do Jersey Shore and Orange County Choppers, and they want to tell my story. And the Ultimate Fighter. That's true, 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 true. And um, they wanted to do something, you know, following the the story, and we really haven't gotten into it. So not everybody knows me. Thank you for knowing who I am. I'm a, I'm, I, I guess I'm, 
I'm Facebook and internet famous, and I, I don't know what that means anymore. I guess it means everything because that's where everybody is nowadays. But I think my 15 seconds of fame have kind of passed me by, and I'm just holding on to it. I'll always be in the fitness and the fight world some way or another. And well, Gordon, let me, let me do this. And, yep. like, I, and I, like I said, I, I interrupt a lot. I'm sorry, but let, let's you, do this. You have to so, with me because I'll babble on. <laughs> and I, okay, I, I don't feel so bad now then. Um, I kind of gave you a goofy intro, pretending like it was me really talking about you. But let, let's do this. Let's say that you're in an, you know, the term elevator pitch. You're savvy to the world. So you're in an elevator, but it's not a 30-second pitch. It's a 60-second pitch. Who is Gordon Shell? Go. You're on the clock, man. MMA fighter. I, I came from traditional martial arts, and uh, that evolved into the NHB underground fighting, barefisted, and then eventually UFC came around and kind of, you know, made it more mainstream. Uh, I never was a UFC fighter. I want to make that very clear. Never UFC. Don't want to portray myself as anything. Fought many, many leagues, MMA. My traditional background is Ishinru, so traditional karate, which more of the discipline played in the cage more than the actual use of the karate, um, except for the straightforward striking. I'm a striker by nature, but I have jujitsu background, wrestling background, Muay Thai background. So um, I fought for many, many years uh, in and out of the cage, not out of the cage on the street, but tournament style, also cage fighting, MMA. Um, and then I, I got cancer back in 2000. So I know that's it's your background as well. Uh, never stage four. So I had a melanoma. Uh, they cut that off. Back then they would do a localized chemo, localized radiation. And I got through that. So I was grateful that I got through that. Um, continued my bodybuilding, powerlifting, doing everything that I did, and then rolled back into MMA again, you know, and I wanted to start doing something because it was still looked at as an animalistic sport. I'm going over 60 seconds, I know. Um, but how do you get the mainstream to come to your fights? And they go, Gordon, you know, what? it's barbaric. And I go, you know what, this one's for cancer. All my ticket proceeds are going to go for cancer. The promoters will go fight for cancer because they wanted to draw me that in. Also. So I took on a cause and I would do some fights for cancer and donate. And we would, you know, sell the ribbons and everything else at the fight. And our fight shirts would have ribbons on them. And then I was also in dog rescue. And more of the rescue portion of it was more of like just helping the shelters out. Uh, I wasn't quite to the dog fighting portion of it, you know. And, and um, then... The Michael Vick thing happened and all that stuff started hitting me like, wow, I could do so much more. I had a little bit of law enforcement background. So, and I did private contracting law enforcement. So I was able to carry a weapon, um, bulletproof, do all that stuff. So I became that vigilante, uh, rescue guy running in the backyards pulling the dogs from the breeders uh taking them to rescues and everything which is frowned upon you know it's not legal don't do it um but i just had the mindset that if the police aren't law enforcement isn't going to do it i'm going to do it so i've been shot six times stabbed three times uh, luckily three of them was with a vest still hurts like hell um and then i was still fighting so I was in the gym. I owned a fight club, uh, Four Aces Fight Club, and I was with the students. And I was getting ready to get ready for another fight. And um, I, I had done all these fundraisers to bring awareness to dog fighting and everything. And one of my students said, Mr. Shell, why don't you fight Michael Vick for money? 
you know, why don't you do like a charity fight? And I'm like, well, he's Michael Vick, not approachable, but great idea. And one of the kids in the class said, well, my dad knows the manager. He'll send an email. So we started emailing and trying to pursue that. And then I got another fight and I'm going to do one for cancer again. And one of the kids again, my wise student said, why don't you do a fight for the dogs? Why don't you take your proceeds and donate it towards your cause? So that was the first one that I, really. I'm do one of my infamous interruptions here. Yep, I, go for I it. I apologize. Yeah, sure. I really want to get. I really want to get into the human side of this yeah. for a moment. No, not saying that you're not doing that, but I really want to dive in deep. I get, I get why you would have wanted to challenge Michael Vick. But it's it's sounding a little, and I, and I don't believe this is the truth. It's sounding a little bit like, hey, here's a great promotional idea. Here's how I can get some attention. Is that why you wanted to fight Michael Vick, or was there something more to it than that? Yeah, everybody says that. Oh, you just you're a nobody MMA star. He's a star. You can bring your name up real quick. Good move, right. buddy. Right. That's the fastest way that we would be able to bring awareness to the general mm -hmm. public. Because I would still talk about dog fighting. People would go, that still goes on. I'm like, mm -hmm. where have you been? But I'm living in it. You know, mm -hmm. I can bring awareness to it because we're doing pay-per-view events and all of a sudden it's a fight for the dogs. It's against Michael Vick. And in my proposal to him was, hey, I'm hunting you, but on the street, I would never come up to you and do something unethical. I don't have that in me to go up and punch him in the face. Can we do this as a sanctioned event? I have millions of animal advocates that hate you. And I have millions of animal, not millions, at that time, hundreds of thousands. I had a good following of advocates that liked me and would love to see us clash. But they're going to keep on pursuing you always till death. I mean, trust me, these people are animal advocates are uh, obsessive. And I was there, too. Um, so my proposal was take this fight. It's sanctioned. We have referees. We have doctors on board. I will agree. No arm bars. I won't attack your moneymakers. We'll do it. Amateur rules, three-minute rounds. We'll use the heavier gloves. Um, but at the end of the fight, I will take the microphone, win or lose. I will take the microphone and say, okay, everybody in the advocate world, this man has now bled and he's fought. And we've raised X amount of money because of his blood and his fighting. We got to let him go live his life and let's pursue the current dog fighters. Let's take the money that we've earned and try to make a difference going from this point forward. So it was a proposal that, yes, we'll make a lot of money. I wasn't going to take any money for the fight. Um, uh, and that was the whole thing was I probably could have got paid. Um, that fight never happened, but I probably could have got paid, but I didn't want to do that. And it would have been my retirement fight, obviously a dream fight to go out on that. So we pursued and pursued, but it was never about the fame. I uh, got my 15 seconds of fame. I got attacked. It's a racial thing. Go after, how come you're not chasing, um, you know, Brett Favre for showing his penis? Gordon, or, Gordon, Gordon, uh, Gordon yeah. here's, what I, here's what I'm wondering, man. I'm, 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 I'm going to get in your face now. You ready go for, for this? It. All right. Do you like dogs? Love dogs. I don't have children. Dogs. dogs are my life. <laughs> All right. Me too. You know, I have four pit bulls here at home. Absolutely. Uh, I, have, I have a nonprofit called the Bully Dog Rescue Coalition. Um, probably nothing more important to me in my life than the rehabilitation of the image of the pit bull because we know what kind of trouble the image has got them into, the unfairly portrayed image. 
All right, these days, I like to think I live my life like something of a yogi, right? You know, love, love, love one, love all. Yeah. I got to tell you this, man. The, the Michael, what happened with Michael Vick, it, it boiled my blood. And now I'd want to say all is forgiven because, man, I can forgive. I blow my friends away with what I can forgive. I blow myself away. I'll tell you this. If I had the opera, I don't know about you. How you're 51, right? 51, yeah. 51. How, how much do you weigh? Um, right now, 193 because I have to weigh in at 190 on Monday or uh, okay. Saturday. Yeah, my, Michael Vick would have had little to no chance against you under any rules. You know that, and I know yeah. that. Um, I'm 59. I'm 135 pounds. I have a pretty vast fighting background like yourself, but I probably would lose in a fight to Michael Vick just by, just by size, tenacity, and whatever experience he has. I'll tell you this. I would fight him today. Yeah. And if I, if I could fight him, I'll tell you why. Because that motherfucker still boils my blood. And I would love the opportunity to beat the living shit out of him for every dog he ever hurt. Right. And you, you don't you don't share that kind of vibe at all, do you? I don't fight angry, so I have to mix my never martial have. arts. I never yeah. have, but that's yeah. how you start. So that's that my martial arts background. I can't say emotion wouldn't come into it. When I say I'm not going to do an arm bar and I committed to that, what do I have to lose mm -hmm. once those cage doors close? And if he mocked me or... He has a smirk about him. Uh, he smirks a lot, and that bugs me, uh, you know. And and maybe I wouldn't be able to control that. I don't know. And because I just put down Nyla um, less than a month ago, my three-legged pit bull rescue from dog fighting, and I thought I'd be stronger because I put down so many dogs in the in in the in the in the world. But that's that's that was my girl. And to say that I can control my emotions, I would on the street. Uh, I, I mean, if I went up to him, I think it would make me look like the thug, the loser, mm -hmm. and everything else if I took that approach. So I never yeah. wanted to have that approach. I wanted to have, be respectful, stick to the cause, keep the cause above your emotion, and go in and get that. Will there be one last hard jab at the end if he's on the ground and, and he's out? Will I fight the referee to get one in? Maybe. And I'm 51, and... Um, I've been through the cancer. I've been through heart failure. I've been through everything to continue fighting. And there's a big tattoo on the back of my tricep that says not dead yet because I'm not dead yet. And I have vowed every year I get older, he also gets older. So we're both going to lose a little step, but I won't lose. My heart wouldn't let me lose. No. Um, and, and, and I, I, I he's an athlete. And he's got the financing to pay. He could have George St. Pierre come in. He could have somebody come in. He could have somebody train him for 60 days, hardcore, everything else. I'm not going to lose. And no. I haven't fought in six years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still in great shape. I'm about 6% body fat right now getting ready to go into the show. Um, I've, I, I would take it in a heartbeat, just like you. Uh, and I may do exactly what you said. I would love to see him bleed. Yeah, you know, we um we, we put together this film event in LA a couple years, a few years back. Linda Blair is my partner in rescue. You probably know oh, yeah, Linda's yeah. a oh, yeah, big, yeah. In the, big in the pit bull world. We put together a deal with Linda, and we brought in, um, do, do you know Bronwyn Dickey? She wrote the book Pitbull. It's like the seminal book on pit bulls. Honestly, I, I probably have it, but I've got so many of them that I don't remember read all it, the it's, it's called yeah. Pitbulls. It's the okay. best book ever written on the subject. And then the movie, of course. Um, the Champions. You must know the Champions. Yeah, well, yeah I know the Champions extremely well. 
about the Michael Vick dogs, uh, as they called them. And that book was, I'm sorry, the movie was produced and directed by Darcy Dennett. So we screened the movie with Darcy there. Bron Lynn was there with the book. Linda's there. And I advocated for inviting Michael Vick to this event. And I wanted to do exactly what you said, which, you know, let, let's propose it to him as his chance to redeem himself. Come up here, you know, talk about, you know, you now recognize what you did was wrong because that's what he claimed in interviews in any case. Right, right. So let's give you the form to do that in the world that everybody, you know, that really lives in the Pipple world and are the foremost people in that world will be there. So I wanted to do that. And you know what? All these gentle ladies said, if he's here, you can count me out. It was, yeah. I mean, the reaction was really something. Anyway, I don't want to get stuck on Michael Vick all day, but. Uh, no, no, I, no. I was, but I mean, that is kind of what put me in front of everything. That's what I, 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 it brought me to the forefront. But nobody would know Michigan MMA fighter, Gordon Shell, bodybuilder, dog rescue guy, you know, and they made the movie The Dog's Fighter about the whole thing. And I, you know, if it, did I go off of his back or did I ride his coattails for fame? I, you look at my bank account right now. I promise I'm not getting rich off anything with the, the, one of the fights I did. I simply did, um, what, uh, Dan, not Dan, uh, uh, oh geez. Now I'm blanking out. Uh, remember, um, Geez, back in the Dan Severn days, uh, just a beast of a man firefighter. And he wrote terrorists suck on his walkout shirt. Mm-hmm. One of the most, and and that's what I want. I want a simple, not a tap out walkout shirt. Didn't want some dragons. I went to a mall kiosk and I got a white shirt, and it simply said "Fight Me, Mike Vick" on the front of my shirt. And I put my coach's names on the back and some sponsors, and I walked out. And it was on pay per view, and I won the fight. And I got home and my Facebook's blown up. I want that shirt. I want that shirt. And I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm typing back. I made it at a at a kiosk at the mall. Blah blah blah. And managers and people that are helping with fundraisers are like, shut up. You sell shirts. Do you realize the funds that you could raise for our cause by having a Fight Me Mike Vick shirt? And we took the phrase, dogfighters are bitches, put it on the back. And we grossed nearly $250,000. And that has all gone towards, um, I've put cameras in shelters in, 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 in um, Louisiana where somebody broke into a shelter in Louisiana and actually fought the dogs during the night while the staff was gone and they came into all these dead dogs and everybody's like, why doesn't that shelter have cameras? Somebody needs to get cameras. I said, yeah, how much are cameras? I mean, four grand for a nice set of Wi-Fi cameras that we can set up and put up. So throw some money at that. And then I started the dog rescue shelter project where I'm a former builder. So it's easy for me to go in and do a weekend rehab on a shelter and all these like you said, the gentlewomen that want to rescue dogs, but then they're trying to do it in a barn and things aren't up to code and the dogs aren't living in, in good condition. So, you know, can I take that money and do some dog shelter builds? And it's just been traveling the country, using those funds to speak out. Um, you know, we did dog by dog red carpets. We've done, I, I worked with Rebecca Corey for a while. Um, just going to her shows. I, I hosted her show in Detroit for stand up for pits. Um, Bark Nations here in Detroit, they are the the best. They basically have um, witness relocation for pit bulls. If you know when a pit bull is is confiscated from a dog fighting ring, they have to be destroyed. That's the law in Michigan, anyways. 
have to be destroyed. So this group had some connections with the city and said, what if we just make those dogs disappear? We don't kill them. So they have a shelter. So they rehab the dogs and they will post pictures of them holding the dogs, but the dog's faces are blurred out and stuff like that. But they run them. And as soon as the court case is done, then those dogs are no longer evidence and they can be adopted out. So they've started this, this amazing uh, shelter and it's uh, Bark Nation here in Detroit and they do a great job saving all those pit bulls that would have been euthanized because of something somebody did to them to put yeah. them in a barbaric sport. Witness so, protection for pit bulls. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, unlike the movie Champions, which is amazing. They all, they all went to, um, to Kanab, Utah and yep. uh, got a second chance. So we all know the ending there. Yep. The alternative yeah. to be great family I'm dogs. I'm friends with you, uh, uh, Ru Yori, you know, American Ninja. You know, the he rescued Wallace and some of the other dogs and lived that out. And mm-hmm. and the survivors, Cherry, I've got uh, oil painting of justice down in my gym in the basement. Yeah, oh, I've, right I've went through all of them, and, and it's heartbreaking every time. You know, the lost dogs. I mean, reading the details. I've read every transcript of the court case. I've anybody that wants to argue with me online and say he wasn't even at the house. I mean, when, and if you don't, if you don't know my entire history, I rescued a dog in Accomack, Virginia, which is only two hours away from Vic's house, where they had everything set up, and I didn't have a warrant. I took a dog that was freezing and starving to death off a property, cut the cable, pit bull, put it in a U-Haul, and took off. We were there because we had just, the, the group I was with had just rescued 24 dogs from a hoarder. 12 of them were living. The others were dead. So we were delivering food to those dogs in Accomack, Virginia. And I'm arrested and charged with a 10-year felony. So, I mean, the irony of that in Vic's backyard but the support I got from Good News Kennels, which used to be Bad News Kennels, his house, they invited me there. I actually was asked to become the president of Good News Kennels. Um, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't make the move. They wanted me to live in the house. And I walked that property, and I went into those sheds in the back, and I sat in the infirmary where those dogs would be after the fights. And we don't want to make this all about Vic, I know, but you can't understand I mean, there were tears in my eyes just because I was in that building. You could feel the energy from those buildings. And people said, tear those buildings down. Get rid of those buildings. No, because those are those are a reminder of the past that we don't want to repeat. So, I mean, it's kind of like tear down the Holocaust, you know, the gas chambers and everything. No, people go there to be reminded what can happen. And that those buildings need to always be there and be a reminder of what can happen. And it's real. And, and that's where my passion came from. And I continued to fight, you know, when he wouldn't take the fights, I just took other fights and just continued to the promoters would always make it about me and the dogs fighters fighting as the co-main event. And we'd raise money and Michigan Humane Society profited from it or not profited, but donations went there. We made the dogs fighter movie, um, you know, proceeds from the movie, you know, went back to shelters. I mean, it's very long 60 seconds for you, Rick. You know, but um, <laughs> that's that's basically right. it. so I just, that's I right. just continue to do what I do. And when we talked about the heart, the doctors would not approve me for that fight. For the last fight, they would not approve me. And the promoter 
snuck me in, basically. Um, uh, and I was able to fight. And not was it under, an athletic, under athletic commission auspices then? Um, pretty much. The I won't mention the promoter. You can just do some background. But he is very well connected. And it just kind of slipped by. The paperwork just okay. didn't make it anywhere. And things happened. Well, and it was great. ways to do that. Yeah. What's, your, um, what's your mixed martial arts record? I looked it up. I was looking it up online. But I couldn't find the definitive Yeah, record. I don't exist on and those. Uh, what's the, the big one? That sure dog. Yeah, yeah, sure dog. Everybody's like, I don't find you on sure dog. I'm 13 and 1. Um, my loss was at the Palace of Auburn Hills, and that's when I said 2012. I said, no, 2009. I retired. That's when my heart, going in the second round, my heart just stopped. You could see it, um, whether it was an adrenaline drop or, or or whatever it was. We went into the second round. I was winning the first round, winning the second round against Lee Dickinson, and you just saw my whole body just. And everything came out of me. And the referee said, are you ready? Are you ready? And I just went, and I just charged him. I charged him. I put against a fence, turned, and he's a judo guy. And I accidentally went hip to hip with him as I was turning off. And he flipped me, mounted me, and just had full mount, pounded me out. I tried to slip out the back. He actually reached around his butt, punched me in the nose. Like, okay, that's unique. I slipped back out the front and I wouldn't tap. Um, they, they called it a verbal tap. I, I knew the referee very well. Uh, he kept on going Gordon and I just kept on going, just catching my breath, just catching my breath. And my opponent was very respectful. He'd smash me in the nose and look at me and I'm like, nope hit me again and he started hammer fisting me and I just wouldn't quit. I was, I was somewhat defending myself and the referee said, Gordon. And I said, no, and he hit me about three more times. Gordon. No. And he hit me about three more times. And finally the ref said, done. Yeah, you well, know, that's a, that's so, a referee being responsible. Yeah, He's doing his it, job. That's all right. it, it hurt my pride. And I said, I'm done. I retire. And, then then the opportunity to fight one more for the dogs again came up and it was just a perfect combination of everything um studio wanted to make a movie about my story wanted to film the whole thing make it kind of a rocky event down on his luck coming back doing it for the dogs i mean it just perfect combination and uh, the executive producer was Catherine McDermott. She did the Bad Boys movie, uh, movie trilogy, or whatever. She did a lot of the Will Smith movies. So when somebody like that comes to you and says, "We want to tell your story," um, okay, so they just followed me with cameras to my doctor's visits, going out with the Michigan Humane Society on the high risk rescues, and then training for that last fight, and then going through the fight, and then just kind of telling the story of why I did it and everything else so experience of a lifetime i i do bit roles i do other movies i'm supposed to do an amazon prime series coming up here i'm always typecast as a thug tough guy or put me in a blue shirt and a dangling badge around me and i'm the detective so those are the roles that i always get and i'm never going to be the leading man loving the ladies but i'll take them they're fun you know nobody gets rich off those little I've been uh, movies. 30 years now. I've been doing what I call booking my big guys under the, the larger than life banner. And uh, I, if I if I say I've booked 5,000 of those roles in my lifetime, it would not be exaggerating. And there's yeah. Uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, man. It's a really cool piece of business. Usually fun get, to be on set. It's fun. I just get a call and they'll say, Dean Kane's in town. You're going to be the bailiff. 
we're putting you in a in a bailiff uniform. He's the judge, and it, it was a it was a pit bull movie about breed discrimination, and he's the judge. And here I am with Superman. I'm his bailiff. So I'm like, That's hell cool. yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Make, so, make a couple of grand for the week. Why not? Yeah, Nothing wrong yeah. with that, man. So it's been That's it's wonderful. been it's a fun ride. It's not over for me. I'm going to continue to compete. I just sold my last MMA school a couple of years ago. Um, Fight clubs are never profitable because I just believe in the fighters. So I had 15 pros. I probably eight of them are, I mean, are in the UFC right now. Jared Brooks was in the UFC. They eliminated that the lightest weight, you know, and now he fights in, in, in Japan. Um, Bobby Nash. I mean, all these guys went right straight to the UFC and I didn't, I can't take credit. They trained under James Lee. I had the school. I would help out this and that, but didn't make a penny off those guys. Lost my ass on the gym, but loved every second of it. Cause I just love being a part of that. And I get to train with those guys and they're at UFC level. These guys don't have day jobs. I've always fought with a day job. That is their day job. So now I'm training with kids that are black belt jujitsu. I never paid. I never made a past blue belt jujitsu. That are you know world class. Uh, one kid won Abu Dhabi. I mean, he's in my gym rolling. I mean, that's that's a level. I'm not charging you. I got to experience you. I mean, that's that was the reward. I had paying customers. Ideally, you want to have a gi program so you can get the young kids in there. I've taught autistic kids. I Right now, I have a 16-year-old girl that I teach kickboxing. I have a gym here at the house. So I'll always be a part of the fight world. I just, unless it's Michael Vick, I don't want to get punched in the face anymore. CT is a real thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you know. so you're I know, I know you're training for a bodybuilding show other yeah. other than that you got you got a big championship in your offing here i know that apart from that what is your what does your life look like now are dogs still part of your day-to-day -day? yeah I, I wouldn't say day-to-day -day. i do as much as i can to help out but i rely on the people that are badged now and the, and the, i'm not going to go out and get shot at anymore i mean i i still have all of my kevlar i still have all of my gear um I'm not going to go out there and put a high risk at 51 years old. There's people that are badged and trained to do that. And really what I was doing was vigilante style. Um, but I just finished a shelter build up in Northern Michigan. I mean, we put well over thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000 in Tina's bed and biscuit and got that all brought up to the department of agriculture codes because part of her shelter was licensed and she could only adopt those dogs out. She still had 14 dogs in the back, but that area is not up to code. So she can't adopt those out. So I will do the extreme weekend makeover type things. We'll take them take and just roll in there with a crew, try to rehab a shelter, bring it all up to code over three or four days period to try to get donations and material, things like that. So I'll try to organize things like that. I, I still, I was originally part of, you know, um, the dogfighting nation where we had, we had investigators around the world, but the animal rescue world is very political. There's a lot of gentle women, as you say. It's a tough, yeah, tough world, man. Very I, I want to go backwards for a minute. Yeah. I want to go back. So these makeovers that you do, could do shelters, do, how do they do they apply to have you come do yeah. that like that show extreme yeah. home makeover how does that yes. work the reason i'm asking is 
the the group that we raise money for, we call it Bullies Angels, kind of like a takeoff on Charlie's Angels. And it's four women in different parts of the country who have all invested their entire life savings and every moment of time they have. You know, there's a thousand, there's thousands of foster-based rescues now yeah. where people have a few dogs at their home. These ladies have invested in land and structures and staffing, and all four of them are desperate, desperately in need of help. Um, Linda Blair is one of them. So how would uh, a Shauna Bell, a Dogs Nation in, uh, in Missouri, is another? Uh, Right here in Hawaii, lady named Virginia Ross Weaver with Maui Pitbull Rescue. How how would they be considered for you to come in and do what you do for them? Well, up until now, I always had them submit short video. Tell me your story. Tell me your situation. Why is the building not up to code? What do you estimate you need? And just try to get that because if I just take all the emails and instant messages that I get, I would never be able to sort through them. So I need to have a visual. Um, and right now, I'll be honest with you, I'm so overwhelmed. I just started, a, a, I'm in the same career. I'm a, I'm a director of business development for a building supply company that, and, and I cover the entire world. So I just recently started with another company that's gonna keep me traveling probably every month, you know, going forward for at least the next 18 months. So. I have kind of committed to them that I won't take these breaks. I'll give you 100% attention. But I I still want to help people that can organize that. I have the format down. I can show you exactly what to do. But for me to physically go and do those probably for the next year and a half is just not going to fit my schedule. So I don't want to mislead anybody or get anybody excited. But it doesn't take a ton because you'll find – in that area, there's the, that shelter has fans. You'll find out that when we posted that we needed somebody for Tina's bed and biscuits and her story, she's a single woman. Front of her shelter is a trailer that she lives in, and the back is kind of an outdoor. It, it was all huskies and sled dogs, so they're used to being out in the cold. They, they like the cold. They don't like being real warm, so they're out in kind of like a public shelter. It's got wind curtains on it and everything, but we needed water lines run we needed decking tri tyvek de or um uh, trex decking put down because they're just urinating and defecating on wood wood deck and so we had all of that they had to do we had to build her a food shelter area and she's exactly what you said she has a an upholstery business out of her garage she upholsters boats there we go there's the star there's wilson i have uh, <laughs> i have four of these little critters i see uh, the other ones are in the background behind you oh i didn't even notice okay. yeah they're walking yeah. around they're putting in their time so yeah, you'll you know, never know never know when they make an appearance well yeah say, say, say hello to uh to wilson here hey wilson, Hi, wilson. there you go <laughs> tongue out love it he was asleep go on man yeah so i mean i i would be glad to assist with anybody that wants to run that program, but me physically doing it for probably the next year and a half, oh, I just had to take a break. I had a big boat, you know, it wasn't anything special. I don't want to act like I got, I got a hell of a deal on a boat. I just recently sold that because I will not have time for a boat this summer. You know, it's, I'm going to dedicate myself. And by doing that, it also makes me more financially stable. So when I want to get back into that, I can do it, but makes sense. I've, makes I've good broke, sense. So man, you know what we've, um, uh, we've kept you past the allotted time already, and I okay. really appreciate it. No problem. What, what do you want the world to know about you on the way out, or what words of wisdom from your long and storied career and life 
um, would you want to share that could help somebody? Um, do what you can. I mean, you don't have to get in a cage. I said this at the end of the movie. You don't have to get in a cage and fight. Volunteer somewhere. Go do something. Attend a fundraiser. You don't even have to give money. Volunteer. You don't have to have a penny to support what we do for these dogs. And don't judge our breed by the way they look. Because if people were to judge you and I by the way we look, we're going to get cast as thugs every time. And right. you're the yogi. And I'm hoping that I've spread kindness. So don't judge them. You know, don't judge them by the way they look. Because what's inside is what counts. And you'll be surprised what's inside. And those are the laziest freaking dogs in the world. If you don't trade them, fight. They just want to sleep them right around. You got you to watch these vicious mothers. Like I know. With <laughs> their tongue hanging out. Don't yeah. put your face near them because they'll snap. And their, their oh, jaws yeah. lock. You, and you, you can't get you them off. Bite my face. You're going to bite my face right yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that I mean, if I can leave the message, I don't want it to be about me. Make it about what you can give back, and you don't have to be a fighter. You don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be anybody, but you are somebody if you're giving. If you're doing something, just do it. One little bit makes a huge difference, and one day at a shelter. If everybody gave one day at a shelter, one day at a cause, the world would be totally different. No, don't commit your life to it. It's better than giving money. Give your time. Yeah. Give, give time your is worth more than money right now, buddy. Are you, you know reachable? That. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? Absolutely. I mean, you're more than welcome to post that email. You know, if you if you put links up there, I check that yep. email on a regular basis. And I used to, I closed down the Michael Vick store. I had the gordonshell.com, which was all the Vick stuff. But if anybody wants a copy of the Dog's Fighter movie, right now I'm just sending them out. You know, you don't even have to pay for it. I will send you a copy. It's on DVD, so if anybody has a DVD player anymore, I'm sending them out. I want the message out there, getting $14.99 for that. Who cares? The message is worth more, and if you watch it, share it with somebody. Give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else. Get the message out. And it isn't about attacking Michael Vick. It's attacking the actions that he did. Let's stop future Michael Vicks. And if yeah, I get to yeah. fight Michael Vick, there's the message. Somebody set up this damn fight so I can die already. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll come out and corner you. That'll be, that'll be well, awesome. All day long, buddy. Hey, Gordon, really nice to meet you. Uh, bless you for doing what you do. And I'm glad we uh, finally got to connect after all this time. Yeah, stay in touch, please, man. I, I, I want to get to know you a lot more as well because I read your bio and then kept digging and digging and digging and went down a wormhole. Thank you. You know, just for doing what you do and being a survivor, that's that's an accomplishment right there because it takes this to survive that. And, and if you give up up here, this isn't ever going to last. So don't give up. I'm never going to give up and not dead yet. From one Thank to another. Me. Pleasure, man. We'll Thank see you, you soon, Gordon. Anytime. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. John, John. And that's it. I'm already addressing my producer, John. Pause from the two-man power trip. That was Gordon Shell. Uh, we've never spoken before. I cannot believe that. We have so much in common, even down to the messages uh, on the on our back tattoos. Pretty crazy. All right. Well, Rick Bassman here on Maui. Until next time, uh, we have a big schedule coming up. Stay tuned for some cool surprise guests. Thank you to my producer, John Pause. Beautiful day here on Maui. I'm going to go enjoy the. Uh, couple hours of sunlight we still have left 
while the rest of you are in the dark across the rest of this beautiful country. Have a good night, everybody. See you soon. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.